0: Hello everybody, this is Scott from Zonasodes. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of a peek under the hood. You see, we started looking at these Twilight Zone episodes all the way back in 2017. And as I record this, it's 2022. You see, we took a bit of a hiatus that turned into about a four year gap completely and entirely my fault, but we are back and we are recording new episodes. But before we get those new episodes out, we wanted to re-release the original show so you can get caught up with all of the old episodes before we dive in to some of the new ones. So these first 19 shows are going to be a bit dated. You're going to hear us talk about the bright future of 2022 and you're going to hear us talk about a new Twilight Zone show by Jordan Peele that's coming out that now has run its course of two seasons. So just bear with with us and when we get to episode 20 which is elegy those will be brand new shows thank you again for checking us out we ask you to go to our new website not the one i talk about at the end of this show but our new website anchor.fm slash zonasodes that's anchor.fm slash zone dash i dash so you can see all the places you can subscribe to the podcast as well as check out our social media we would love to hear from you and please 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 if you could give us a like give us a review it really does help the show grow thanks so much and on with the show there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man It is a dimension as vast as space, and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between radio and bar talk, between commentary and recaps, and it lies between the pit of man's Netflix subscriptions and the summit of his binge-watching ability. This is the dimension of podcasting and the Twilight Zone. These are the zonasodes,
1: And now your hosts, brandon davis
0: and scott mcfarland
1: hello everyone out there in podcast land welcome to the front row movie reviews the podcast for people who actually like movies and welcome to the second full episode of our zonasodes review of the twilight zone uh we are going to be looking at episode two of the original series and that is one for the angels with our good friend uh who's with me today He's Brandon Davis,
2: skills. yeah, Brandon Davis, your classics guy.
1: He's now the classics guy. He no longer does oh, I, thought I is the classics I guy. Thought I'd change, I thought I'd
2: change it up a little.
1: And my, <laughs> name is, and my name is Scott McFarlane, and I am the flashbacks guy. So Brandon reviews good movies, and I review everything else. <laughs> well, Groundhog Day is a good movie. Yeah, sometimes we intersect. I've intersected on what? Uh, Rocky, Superman, Groundhog Day. Yeah. Is that it? That's probably it.
2: There's, there's more to come, I'm sure. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Shawshank Redemption sooner or later.
2: Yeah. Raiders so of Lost Ark.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. All of Indies. I still say Raiders is not the best Indiana Jones movie. It is The, the Last Crusade. Last
2: Crusade? Oh, okay. The Last
1: Crusade is a better film. I have to, to rewatch
2: Last Crusade. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: It's so good, so good. Yeah. They walk, they uh, they ride off into the sunset after killing a whole bunch of Nazis. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <clears throat> so we have another friend with us here today. Uh, it is not somebody reviewing with us. It is Ed Wind, uh, who will be with us quite a bit on the Twilight Zone, I believe.
2: <laughs> He'll show up a couple yeah. times. A couple times, but this is his most, I, I think, and whenever they do Twilight Zone marathons, this is where you see him most often.
1: <laughs> so, we'll go ahead and get started with a synopsis for it, and then uh, Brandon will uh, give us our, uh, our intro from Mr. Rod, rod Serling himself, sure. and then we'll get rocking. So, Brandon, cool. you want to go ahead and do the uh, Rod thing? Yeah.
2: Let's see. Rod starts out saying, street scene, summer. The present, man on a sidewalk named Lou Bookman, age 60-ish, occupation, pitch man. Lou Bookman, a fixture of the summer, a rather minor component to a hot July, a nondescript, commonplace little man whose life is a treadmill built built out of sidewalks. And in just a moment, Lou Bookman will have to concern himself with survival, because as of three o'clock this hot July afternoon, he'll be stalked by Mr. Death. We're still at the point where Rod's giving us very a uh, generic names for certain characters. We'll see that well, in Doomsday as well. <laughs> I'm
1: not. I, I mean, Mr. Death. At least he's being respectful. Yeah. For I mean, wouldn't you think Death would have a title at this point, like Death Esquire or something of that nature? But yeah. Mr. Death, I guess, it's going to work. So our synopsis for One for the Angels is: Lou Bookman is a friendly salesman who hawks his wares in the street corner, as Brandon mentioned, using them as a treadmill, and enjoys playing with the local kids. On this normal day, Lou meets Death, who tells him he will die at the stroke of midnight, exactly, due to natural causes. Like anyone would, Lou tries to find a loophole, and that and uh, go. Yeah, like anyone, Lou will try to find a loophole, and then Scott can't read, and uh, does so by getting Death to allow him to make one great last pitch. Lou immediately tells Death that he's been tricked, and Lou will never sell anything again. Hopefully, this will make Lou live forever. Lou quickly realizes you probably shouldn't piss off Death, so Death moves on to his eight-year-old friend, uh, because there must be balance made, and somebody has to die at midnight. After the eight-year-old friend is hit by a car, she lies in bed dying, and Lou distracts Death through the stroke of midnight by giving Death a sales pitch. After the clock does strike midnight, Lou and Death both realize that Lou has fulfilled his end of the contract by giving One for the Angels, and Lou follows Death down the street after having made the greatest pitch in history. So, Brandon, what'd you, uh, what are your uh, original uh, impressions of uh, One for the Angels?
2: This is one of the ones that I as I mentioned before in our first episode um, I I don't think I've seen every episode as a matter of fact I'm certain I haven't seen every episode of the Twilight Zone, but this is one I've seen quite a bit <laughs> and uh, Probably because it's on all the marathons Usually and uh, anytime you see a promo for Twilight Zone. You always see a little uh, Cena that went from this episode um, It is for a episode that deals with death, it's a very sort of laid back, almost lighthearted episode. In some ways, um, it's it's a little a little unique in terms of the Twilight Zone canon. You don't see a whole lot of this throughout the rest of the series. But um, in in my opinion, the whole episode sort of hinges on performances. And um, once again, as we mentioned, Rod Serling was a master of casting, and I think if um, you would cast another actor in the lo- role of uh, Lou Bookman. It might not be quite as effective an episode because uh, not to spoil anything at- until the end when we give our rankings or whatever, but the-, the script I think is just a little under par. And yet because of who he cast in these roles, they sort of raise it to another level.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's not much of a spoiler for me either. Um, Uh, This is definitely one that I've seen quite a bit and I think it is a kind of a mixture of, it is one of the more lighthearted episodes so it finds its way into the 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 re-showings either through marathons or on syndication, and also I think because it has Edwin in it, uh, it finds itself uh, more on TV than some just because it has a recognizable face in it. Um, but yeah, I, I know I agree with you in all of this. Uh, I think um, the story is charming, uh, but <laughs> it is pretty uh, routine. And uh, <laughs> after coming off such a really good episode. Uh, with where is everybody, Uh, this one kind of uh, is a paint by numbers. Uh, And, you know, it kind of goes back to the fact that we kind of talked about at the beginning of this, is Rod is writing uh, most of these by himself, Mm -hmm. or uh, even if there's a writing room, he's still involved in every one of them. So there's going to be a bit of an ebb and flow here because you can only do so many things at once. There are a couple of things I do remember liking about this, um, and I still do. I love the fact that Death is a bureaucrat. It yep. makes perfect sense to me that he's going to rip out, whip out his uh, little notepad and start uh, taking notes when, whenever uh, Lou speaks. And then when Lou tries to find a loophole, Death has a list of rules and bylaws that are already in place that, uh, mm-hmm. that discuss that. it. He's very much, um, you know... Uh, just a, a a bureaucrat, or um, yeah, well, that's the easiest way to put it. He's definitely a bureaucrat. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and I love um, I as I mentioned before, casting Murray Hamilton, who plays Death, is a very erudite. Actor and um, the, you know he could have just cast a sort of over the top sort of very doom and gloom looking guy, but Murray Hamilton's very well put together, very well spoken, and uh, you know most people probably remember Murray Hamilton as the mayor in Jaws, and uh, you know always um, always played these kinds of sort of almost you know smooth talking roles, and he plays off Wynn perfectly because Win's a totally different persona. So um, yeah, the, the, what you remember most about this episode are their interactions together. You, you remember Edwin's interaction with the kids, and you remember these two interactions together because they do play off each other really
1: well. Agreed. Um, and you know, the one thing too is we're starting to get a little bit more of a budget. <laughs> yeah. And whereas everybody, we had one main person uh, through most of the episode with a few other folks at the very end, now we've got a cast of characters be it only really two main characters, but we also have some of the kids with speaking roles, Uh, the doctors in there for a bit too. So we're starting to get some more people in here uh, as well. So what, in terms of the story itself, uh, what are some of the things that you you liked about the episode? Uh, And then we'll get into some of the things that you didn't like about the episode.
2: Uh, I I do like the character of Lou Bookman. I think... um I think that he can be, you know, for, for a twi- as I've said before, Rod Serling writes a 25-minute movie every week, basically, and um, for, for the small time he's given, he really does give you fleshed out characters, and um, you just feel like Lou Bookman has been around, and he's had this life experience, and you really are pulling for him to sort of make this one last great pitch, like he's always wanted to do. And you know, uh, Edwin, who you know was was a you know handy actor as we all know, but uh, he's he's perfect for this role because if you're playing this sort of pitch man on the street, you've got to be this way. And I I think Edwin, he plays this sort of this sort of seasoned person, and yet he's got this childlike innocence about him at the same time. He's kind of not necessarily a man-child, but he does have an innocence about him. And so that's why he can relate well to the kids. And so that's what that, – there's an innocence about this episode that you don't find in a lot of Twilight Zone episodes.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, as you already mentioned, and I'll probably mention again when we start talking about ranking of this episode, uh, this episode lives and dies by Edwin and Lou Booker. Uh, If this character is not one that's enjoyable to watch and somebody who you're not going to root for, uh, the episode itself is going to fall flat on its face. Uh, And so I think they do do a really good job of letting us like this guy because it's very easy to not like a salesman. It's very easy to run into somebody like this who... Uh, we don't really have too many door to door salesmen anymore, but you know, a telemarketer calls you and tries to hawk something at you. It's very easy to want to punch that person in the face. Um, I say that because I used to sell vacuum cleaners door to door. So I was oh. the guy that people wanted to punch in the face. <laughs> so, uh, but the fact that we, we get to see Lou kind of being just, a, a you know, aloof guy and then we also see the fact that he does enjoy hanging out the kids and he's a nice guy and it doesn't come off creepy he's just one of those friendly neighborhood people that everyone knew when they were kids uh, and it definitely helps we also get our first sighting of Robbie the robot in this uh, it, will not be, it will not be the last time we see Robbie, uh, but we do see Robbie as a little action figure. So um, we'll have yeah. to keep a tally on some of this stuff as they pop up because uh, I know uh, things like that are going to pop up a lot in the yeah, show. I,
2: I can't remember what year Forbidden Planet came out. I knew it was a couple of years before this, but mm-hmm. Robbie
1: had been around a few years by this time. He's but, still not my favorite robot from the 60s, uh, yeah. but uh, he's my second favorite robot. And people can assume <laughs> who my first favorite robot was. <laughs> Danger, with Robinson, danger.
2: That's what I I was going to say that, Lost in Space.
1: The show does uh, not hold up at all, <laughs> but <laughs> I grew up on it, so.
2: You know, the, you know the first season is actually pretty good because when they, they were took serious? it
1: serious. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy <laughs> shows up in the carrot costume and it all goes downhill. <laughs>
2: There's a great, there's a great video on YouTube of June Lockhart describing that episode and just breaking up laughing. It's really
1: funny. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guarantee, no matter how much in the doldrums we get in some of these episodes of Twilight Zone, we're never going to see anybody in a carrot costume. So we're gonna, no, we're the Great Vegetable okay.
2: Rebellion, we won't see. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be a fun show to talk about. But, well, uh, there's,
1: uh, I intend to talk about it a little bit because there are rumors that there's going to be a Lost in Space TV. Well, not even rumors. I they're, saw starting, that, they're starting yeah. to the cast. Uh, we're getting yeah. on a tangent, but there's going to be a Lost in Space <laughs> TV show on Netflix. So uh, we'll definitely at least talk about the 90s uh, movie, which, shocker, I actually liked. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, I actually liked it. It wasn't the best thing in the world, but it yeah. had Gary Oldman as a spider. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: but I, 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 I just, I, I think that they played the campiness right and lost in space. Where if they were going to be campy, they went all the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, ni- I was going to say though, 1959 when this episode came out. 1959 was a big year for Edwin because he received an Oscar nomination this year for a. Uh, uh supporting actor for his performance in uh, the Diary of Anne Frank, which is a uh, totally dramatic performance, and he's actually really good in.
1: Yeah, you know <laughs> but, when I when, when I think Edwin, I, I I I don't think Diary of Anne Frank, although well, no. <laughs> like every like every middle school kid in America, I've seen Diary of Anne Frank, yeah. Uh, but I always think of Edwin from his role in uh, Babes in Toyland, and he but, scared the living hell out of me. In Babes but, and you me. know, I
2: that is a totally though underappreciated movie. I, <laughs> I love that movie.
1: You know, you want to have a really uh, not appreciated and it didn't deserve to be appreciated, go check out The Babes in Toyland with Keanu Reeves in it. Oh, that
2: one's terrible. That one's <laughs> terrible. I, I remember getting that VHS free from McDonald's or something.
1: That's probably where I got mine. <laughs> it was that her Dances with Wolves, and uh, that I went with Babes in Toyland with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my gosh! We've covered Lost in Space and Keanu Reeves. <laughs>
1: Can you tell <laughs> there's not much to talk about this episode? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but um but no, I was also gonna say though um the um the, the little girl in, in this yes. episode I do like because she doesn't give uh, I mean she does what she needs to do she doesn't give a totally you know cutesy little kid performance although she she seems very well put together after she's been you know run over but. <laughs>
1: It is the most easy car accident I've ever seen. You just hear a scream, and the little girl is just sitting there on the ground, I'm just like, I've actually I've had the unfortunate experience of having to watch somebody get hit by a car. They made uh-huh. it okay. They made it out of it okay, but it is the most violent thing you'll ever see in your life. And oh, yeah. so watching this, I just kind of chuckle at it because it's like that the, the, that kid would be obliterated at that speed.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean and, and you were talking about the budget and this actually um i don't know if i mentioned it in the last episode but now from here on out the pilot was shot at universal but from here on out the show is going to be shot on the back lots at mgm and mgm at the time had a lot more space than Universal. universal was a relatively small studio at that time and mgm had these huge back lots where rod serling could just use this sort of his playground and um he he really makes use of stuff for for a show that didn't really ever have a huge budget. He makes use of all these things that were already built, all these streets and everything, and uses them to great effect. And uh, as as I mentioned before, you can tell that there's a little bit higher of a production quality in this episode.
1: Well, you see that just in uh, Lou's apartment too, which we we're not in much, but it's it's definitely filled in. Uh, whoever did the art a decoration for that uh, did a really good job because it looks like. Somebody who lives in that kind of apartment, who would be somebody selling fake silk ties on the street corner. So yeah. the, all of that is done very well, um, and that's you know, that's that's the, the the whole point of the show. I think is not only is the storytelling amazing, uh, and the acting is uh, beyond anything else that was on television back then, and beyond a lot of things that are on television uh, since then, but also the the set design and the quality that they put into directing uh, and everything else is above what you would normally see on a TV show. And I think that was uh, uh, partly Rod, but also I'm sure the rest of the crew too, realizing that they have something here, and they wanted to put their their A-game into it. And you can tell that, even when they're first starting out in these first few episodes. Yeah.
2: Well, and this episode, and the Previous episode actually also have a score both written by Bernard Herrmann, who was Hitchcock's main uh, composer for a lot of his films. He composed, you know, Psycho and he composed North by Northwest. And so here you've got these big moves that was basically like getting John Williams at the time to score a TV show. So Serling's going for quality right from the very beginning.
1: Absolutely. So, what are some of the things that didn't work for you? Um, You know,
2: Everything sort of hinges on that sort everything. of final... No, no, I didn't mean that. But, but it, it, I, I, the scene works, but everything sort of hinges on that final pitch he gives, but I don't necessarily... I the, the character of Deaths that has been shown to us so far seems much more sophisticated than to be taken in by this trick that Lou was sort of giving him. It seems like a really quick plot device sort of just to... To, to give the story a little button. I mean, Edwin Ed is a charismatic figure, and you can see how, you know, you, you could take your eyes off of him or whatever, but Murray Hamilton hasn't given us any reason to believe that he'd be taken in by this, though.
1: Yeah, and I'll go one step farther on that, too. What really stood out for me in that scene is Death seems to have a nervous breakdown more than anything else. He starts getting yeah. really... has the cold sweats and kind of freaking out. I'm like, that's when you're starting to, when you're trying to sell somebody something and they're starting to have cold sweats you're you're doing it wrong i mean the whole idea yeah. is to maybe draw his attention and get him interested i think like those really bad infomercials that you turn on at 3 in the morning no matter how stupid they are if the, they can get your attention and you're going to watch for an hour that's the kind of sales yeah. pitch he should have been doing but instead it almost looks like he's you know got death chained up to a wall and there's nothing he can do but watch this so i agree with you there i think that kind of as much as it is the the whole punchline of the entire episode, that does kind of fall apart. Um, another thing that kind of stands out for me that I just uh, – it didn't really work well was um, the the whole interaction uh, after the kid gets hit by a car. I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. The actress was really good, but at that point, she's just kind of sitting in a bed. And, yeah. and, it, and it kind of uh, – It's really even hard to describe, but it's just like the the show, much like the car hits the kid, the show hits (laughs) a brick wall right about then. Because you've got some really good interactions with Death and Lou, and as soon as the the plot turns and he goes after the kid, it all kind of just kind of rides to a screeching halt. And you realize Act 3 or Act 4 is just going to be kind of a rote story at that point.
2: Yeah, although, I mean, Serling, even though the episode kind of halts at that point, Serling does sort of clean it up at the end very nicely, and he doesn't leave you sort of with that sort of jolt feeling that you have during that part. And, I mean, as we you know, this is only episode two, and so he's, he's experimenting with the kind of stories he's telling and the way that he's going to tell things. And, you know, for a lot of times, shows will have strong pilots, and then you look at episode two, and they're kind of subpar, and I think this is what we're having here. Although Sterling subpar is, you know, above yeah. par for a lot of other teams.
1: And that's actually kind of why I, I, you know, we're we're kind of playing our cards in the open here. But obviously, we're probably not going to rank this one as high as we ranked the first one. Uh, but I kind of like the fact that we get kind of a one that's a little more uh, on the average side because mm-hmm. it shows also too if you're watching this. And it also shows to us, we're not going to look at this with rose-colored glasses. If we're going to run into a stinker or something that isn't going to be up to snuff, we are going to discuss it. And we're not just going to uh, fawn over it because it is a Ron Serling Twilight Zone work. Yeah. And so I think it's going to make it more interesting as we start talking about these and we start actually critiquing them more. And there'll be some episodes where I will fawn all over, all over the episodes because they're just oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but sometimes a it's kind of good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you say, you know, um, sometimes, you know, the pilot's really good because he put more time into it. You could put years Uh into a pilot and then you kind of have to – you're off to the races with the rest of them. You know, I think it's even worse nowadays. And uh, I used uh, Star Trek The Next Generation as an example. The Encounter at Farpoint is an extremely good pilot. It holds up to the day. But the first two seasons of that show is just (laughs) – So, so the fact yeah. that the Twilight Zone was able to pick itself up in the first couple episodes, uh, is it, it says something right there too. And you know, um, we'll get into our rankings here in a minute, but. Another thing that we do here on this show is we compare these episodes to other Twilight Zone episodes because even a mediocre Twilight Zone episode is going to be really good television. So just because we're, we're, we're saying that this one isn't exactly up to par, we're saying it's not up to par with other Twilight Zone episodes. I think I could still sit down and watch this story about Lou Bookman before I sit down and watch a lot of TV that's out here today. Oh, so yeah. It's still, yeah. it's still some quality stuff.
2: Yeah, and 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 believe us when we say that uh, this this episode, even though we're not raving about it, uh, this is you know that we'll see a lot worse than this coming down the pike. <laughs> Especially as we get toward the last season.
1: I've already right say I, foreshadowing in 2020 when we're done with this thing, we're gonna end on a very low note, <laughs> and it's gonna deal with moose and yeah. squirrel. <laughs>
2: We're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna have to do some sort of final podcast so we don't end just with that. Wrap one. it up. With...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wrap I think up we'll, the show as a whole. One of the things I'm actually thinking about, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm pitching this to Brandon right now, is uh, I think at the end of every season we should do our best and worst, uh, and kind of hammer yeah. it out that way. So just because I think 157 episodes isn't enough, uh, we need a few more. <laughs>
2: <We> <laughs> at least one sixty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I think uh, I think we've kind of uh, we've talked about this one enough you, you want to go ahead and close this uh, well actually first let's do our ranking and yeah. then we'll close up with Rod so sure. uh, Brandon on one for the Angels on a scale from one to ten one being probably the worst Twilight Zone episode ten being mm-hmm. the best Twilight Zone episode or episodes where would you put one for the Angels
2: well, as we're ranking it, and here, when we do this now, since we're early on, it's gonna be easier to do this. But <laughs> it, we, uh, right now, where is everybody is our standard? And I gave that a seven. I thought that was a very I thought that was an above average episode. And after seeing one for the Angels, we've seen two episodes now. Where is Everybody is still the best episode of Twilight Zone so far. Um, this episode, as I mentioned before, It's a subpar script, but I think the casting of Edwin and his performance raises it to an average episode, so I'm going to give it the average rating of five.
1: There you go, right in the middle. Uh, I'm going to be very close to you in that. I still think that this episode doesn't fit into what I would call average. And again, mm-hmm. I, I, I probably said this already, but I'll say it one more time. We're talking average for a Twilight Zone episode. I think it's a little bit below average, so I'm actually going to give it a yeah. four. Again, I think it's nowhere near a bad episode. Uh, but I, I think there, we're going to find some other ones that are going to be middle of the road that actually stand up more than that. So, But we are definitely close. I think we were close in the last one, too. So... Uh, mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see where we kind of continue to uh, go as we uh, continue to rate these episodes. So, Brandon, how about you go ahead and uh, close us up with uh, what Rod had to say? Sure.
2: Louis J. Bookman, age 60-ish, occupation pitchman, formerly a fixture of the summer, formerly a rather minor component to a hot July, but throughout his life a man beloved by the children, and therefore a most important man. Couldn't happen, you say? Probably not in most places, but it did happen in the Twilight Zone.
1: <laughs> and so uh, we want to thank you for joining us here for the second full episode of the zona Uh We're hoping that you'll continue to join us, and we're going to be uh, uh, continuing to hit these one by one uh, as we go through all 156 Perfect. episodes of the Twilight Zone. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you. You can do that by contacting us uh, by going to our website, which is uh, com. You can also find us on all your social media places by searching the Front Row Movie Reviews. Uh, and hopefully, uh, if you like what you saw here today, please make sure to uh, subscribe to our podcast, or if you're checking us out on YouTube, like and subscribe so you can continue to catch these. They'll be coming out every Friday from here until the end of time. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Scott McFarlane, and with me as always is...
2: Brandon Davis, and we'll see you next week in the Old West.
1: <laughs> and we'll see you on the couch. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zonasodes. Zonasodes is a special presentation of the Front Row Movie Reviews podcast. For more information, go to
2: www.thefrontrowmoviereviews.com.